Hello and welcome to Talking Transatlantic with Talina Kapari in the USA. And in the UK, Richard Wilson. In this podcast, we are talking about education in lockdown. And also, we're going to be talking World War II and preserving the memories of those who took part. How's your week been, Talina? Oh, my week has been fine. You know, it's getting sunnier, so we can go outside. See, it rains. It's been so hot here. Like, 21 degrees hot. That probably seems nothing to a California girl. Yeah. Oh, no, that's nothing. I like it when it's really, really hot. I prefer just to be scorching, so. And it um, probably means nothing because I'm using Celsius and you'll be used to Fahrenheit. That's right. So I have no idea. When you say 20 degrees, that means nothing to me. Either it's just really hot or really cold is what I understand. It felt really hot. It felt, it felt really hot. hot. So when people ask me, how's the weather in the UK? I say cold, hot. They say, what's the degrees? I have no idea. And that's yeah, okay. we, If you don't like the weather in the UK, just wait five minutes and it'll change. That's right. Like in Scotland, you're going to have uh, like Scotland, four, seasons, four seasons in a day. One day. One day. Yeah. So, yes. Um, okay. So, yeah. So you've had a nice week, Richard. Yeah, it's been okay. Um, I, I played poker last night. Oh, yes, you did an online poker. And how did that go? Oh, it was, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, me and some of the guys who live in the same town as, as I do, we only got the pub together. So we have the virtual pub. We go to um, we meet on Zoom, have a few beers. So what we did this time is we, we all signed up to like um, one of those online poker people, places where, you, you know, one of those gambling sites. And you can actually have your own little private virtual room. So it's just us playing. So we, post, we all put a fiver in. Uh, I didn't win. I came second. Oh, that's fun. So what did you do? By PayPal or Venmo? Like, how does that... Um, well, you, you log in and you join the um, the gambling app and then you upload money to it. And then when you want to, like, put a fiver in the game, you just take it from your account within the, the app. It was really good. So oh. I came second, but there were only three of us playing. So... <laughs> That's still fun. Oh, my gosh. And, like, five really pounds, that's, that's, that's a good amount. You know, you don't yeah, spend yeah, too yeah, much. Five, you just five. have a little fun... And no buy-ins, which is good because you'd end up like with no house at the end of it if you could buy in. I you? think so, yes. So yeah, it was just like that Bond movie, Casino Royale, without the style and the yeah. It's just this is locked out at home. There you go. And well, probably a lot cheaper. So Oh yeah, way cheaper. Well, I came into the um into the study where we where we record and I was in here last night doing the thing, and there's loads of Empty bottles of beer. It stunk like a brewery when I walked. It's stale beer smell. So uh, I've opened the window. What can you do? Okay. Well, All right. let's let's get on with it and introduce our guest. That we yeah, have. joining us yeah. in the USA and just around the block from Talina is Michael Meyer. Hello, Michael. Hello. How are you? Ah, very well. My hangover's gone, and uh, <laughs> the kids are out doing their daily exercise with their mummy. So um, I'm feeling good. How are so, you? I'm not doing as good as you, but I mean, hey. <laughs> there you go. But it's because, you know, he's 17 and not supposed to have a hangover, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Michael I um, is a graduating senior. And not only has he been doing, you know, school from home, he is also writing a book about World War, not just World War II, Pearl Harbor survivors, uh, he's interviewed over 100 veterans for this book that he's writing, which is quite amazing for someone his age. And he loves history. Yeah. 
So we have lots of questions to ask you, Michael. So thank you for coming on our show. So uh, first of all, um, what's it? How long? How long school been shut? Um, and what's it like? Now? I mean, you should be graduating, having a good time. So school shut down like March. So we haven't been there since then. I don't mind it too much. I enjoy it. And it's funny because I want to be a teacher, but I mean, hey, you know, I'll take that. I'll take the at-home school like, for right now. What, how does it work? Do you, do you talk to your teachers or do they just upload, um, do they upload work to, to a website and then you just do the work? They just upload the work, but we will do Zoom calls occasionally. So. Okay. Just one-on-one or do you have your whole class on a Zoom call? So she sent out an invite to the whole class. The one teacher that I have, it was optional. So it didn't matter if you joined it or not. So it's like, it's flexible, I'd say, with my schedule. So, and it's, it's enjoyable though, because you at least see some people, you know, that you haven't seen in a while or you get to talk to people, but what are you going to do? It's not like being in school, obviously. No, no. Uh, my, my kids are a lot younger than you. Um, and they've been, <laughs> they've been getting, um, their teachers are really, really good at putting stuff up on the internet for them to do, but it's, impossible to motivate them to work um to the point that i'm almost just giving up half the time um but i suppose you have you had got exams michael um you uh how, how's that working i don't think we get finals this year i don't know i'm not sure how that's working out yet um, so so how does it work does it work do you get an average from what you've already done to that, I mean, that i haven't done enough finals but i think it's like your, whatever your grade is now, like whatever you finish off with, if you do a work throughout, I think that's for you. They take that four of them up and they give you an average. I guess that's how it works. I mean, I haven't heard anything, but I know that's not comp. That's not uncommon because uh, Kane University where, is where I'm going next year. It's in Union, New Jersey. They're not doing a, the placement testing. They're taking your if you already took the SAT, they're taking your score from that, or they're taking your your grades from school and they're using that. They're taking your transcript and assigning you to classes based on that if they can't do placement. So I'm not sure, you know. Well, well it's what's placement then? How does that, what, what, how does that work? It sounds a little different to what we do over here. The placement <laughs> you just take and you get placed into your classes pretty much. Like, oh, all right. Yeah. So like if you take Spanish and you know, like you don't need to be in beginning Spanish, you would go into like yeah. advanced. So you just know where you like, or like certain writing classes or English classes. So, cause you have prerequisites for certain colleges. So universities in here right so what do you want to study then what is it going to be a teaching degree that you're hoping to do i want to become a history teacher but i hope yeah. maybe become a history professor one day because i'd yeah, like yeah. to rise throughout you know and get a better job as time goes on so i mean that's the long-term plan but i gotta see what happens especially with all this so what's the name of the course you're going to do at university uh, so for the first two years i have to take my basics and then from that point on i'm you know it changes so I don't actually take any, I take one history class next year, which is called the Worlds of History. But after these next two years, 2022, that's when I really pick up studying my major. Oh, right. So you're not going to, you don't go to university to study history then. You don't join a course called history. No. no, well, you have like a major and a minor. It depends. Well, some people just have a major, but that you have to have certain courses to graduate. Uh -huh. So, for example, at my university, you have to do something in like ma with mathematics, but you could take uh, like, what was it, geology or something and not fulfill some kind of mathematical requirement. Like there's ways to go around it if you don't have that kind of brain. Because uh, here you just if you want to study history, you just apply and enroll on a, 
a history course and that's it yeah. you do a degree in history yeah you don't have to do that's the thing about like uh you know the difference with uk education like america we have to do all this stuff like you know many schools like you have to do a theater requirement you have to do something with the arts like you have to have everything you know different areas yeah that sounds, that sounds and good we, though and we have extra credit because michael's school in the uk is hardcore you flunk a test that's it sorry <laughs> like there's no retakes there's no like oh can i do this extra paper again they don't care well okay. we have resets we, you can't do resets though yeah uh, if, if you fail you can do one reset yeah that's right yeah you can so if you, but if you, you have fail extra credit like in the united states what do they just let you keep taking it until you pass well, no, but you can do certain things to like boost your grade or uh, do something else. People are a little, you know, get nice, nice with your teachers or your TAs. All right. Advocating anything. Right. No, so, no. Michael, so, this sure you... a, <laughs> so this is, Richard, you'll find this interesting. So this has been a big thing, you know, just not in the news, but with parents and kids. How do you feel about virtual graduation, Michael? It doesn't really bother me either way. I mean, I'd prefer the online, if I'm being honest, because it's like, I feel like nobody can tell where this is going. You can have everybody running up to each other, hugging each other, taking photos. So I just think if they have an in-person graduation, it's going to it's gonna go downhill probably for any state, not just New Jersey, any anywhere. Yeah. Or if you have an online graduation, you have people that are mad at that. So I feel like there's no win-win solution for everybody. Are you going to have a celebration with your friends, Michael? Like, what are people doing? Are you going to, like, get on Zoom and just say, yay, we graduated? Or are people just... Mm. Right now, we have an online graduation scheduled for Braley, but like, I don't know, in terms of your friend groups, I feel like if you can just keep in touch with them, like I've been keeping in touch with my friends throughout all this, so it's pretty much like we see each other every day or we talk to each other every day. You know what I mean? There's no, you know, it's not like you're not talking to anybody. So I feel like, you know, it really hasn't changed a lot because even throughout the school year, you know, you have FaceTime calls with your friends, like you're talking after school, you know, so a lot hasn't changed. But in terms of a celebration, my family and I, we're going to wait till after this is over. But even if it's like a year from now, then we're not too worried about it. You know what I mean? It, it's like at that point, it's like, what's the point? You know, because it's so it's so much later. Plus, yeah, you you passed you graduated high school, you know. Now, they don't do prom uh, in the UK, right, Richard? Oh, well, no, it's a standard come in, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like it's starting to come in. Now, how do you yeah, feel American, about Americanization, they call it over here. Yeah, <laughs> because now you're not going to have a real prom, Michael. Or, um, Are you having a virtual prom? No. There's just no prom. The 24th was supposed to be our prom. Or not the 24th. The 21st, I think it was, was supposed to be our prom. Today's the 24th. I'm sorry. It's okay. Ouch. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, did you, did, you, did you just mope around the house thinking that could have been a prom right now? I mean, I went to last year's prom, and I had really fun, I had a fun time at that. So it really didn't bother me, especially because, like, I knew, obviously, like, you know, for a while now we weren't going to have a prom. And chances are we're not going to have a graduation, you know, and you can't be upset about it. You kind of just has to – you just have to take it as it comes. You know, you have to take each day at a time. Well, it's the prom what, – what's the prom like? Is it like the prom in American Pie in the movie? Something you can answer that. <laughs> have, you, have you not seen I, I it? I can't remember. I can't no, remember. It's, 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 it's a, this is a 20-year-old movie, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it also it differs from like each school. So, you know, Michael's a boy, so maybe he's not going to care about it as much as a girl who wanted to like get all dressed up. And I haven't seen that. What you what you prom queen? Homecoming queen. All right. What's the difference? Um, we didn't have. We don't do prom king queen at uh, my school. Homecoming queen. 
Uh, you get to ride around in a car and wave your hand, and that's really fun. It's a big football stadium. And Michael was actually homecoming king. So really? I was yeah. Not at the same time. 20 years apart. <laughs> a little more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so it's a big deal in America. Like, so how you know, did you get did, – so did people have to vote for you, Michael, to be homecoming king? Yeah, you get – basically, uh, teachers recommend you, and then you, your friends vote for you or anybody votes for you in your grade. You win, you win. You don't win, you lose, you know. So is it the most popular person in school becomes homecoming king queen? I won't say that. I just say well-known sometimes. Like, especially they, hopefully they pick a good person, you know? Like, it's not – the movies you see, it has to be, like, a cheerleader or a football player, and that's not true. You Were know? you a cheerleader, Talina? Were you a cheerleader? No, I did theater instead. So we can bring in Michael's book that he's writing. So let's hear about this book that uh, you are – consistently doing and how is it coming along with the pandemic because you're not able to interview as many people in person so let's talk about that so it's actually coming along quite well because i've been able to do zoom calls with a few world war ii veterans so it's actually been interesting because instead of doing it over the phone you get to see someone face to face you know so even though it might be better. what were you gonna say Selena? i was gonna say it's been better that you can do these zoom calls versus just on the phone or trying to actually go to their home or you know it works out surprisingly, which I kind of thought was interesting because I didn't think it was going, I didn't think it was going to work at all, especially when you're dealing with guys like 95 and above, yes. but it actually has, it, it's worked quite well. And I think it's actually kind of a better system because Richard, you would like this. I'm trying to interview a veteran. He lives in the UK and he was at Dunkirk, Dunkirk yeah. you know, the evacuation. So I'm trying to set up a zoom call with him. And I really like that aspect because it allows me to connect with people from all over, not just America. Yeah. But it's what we're doing now, isn't it? Yeah. We're, we're, so um, these veterans, are they, are they quite tech savvy or have they got a young person helping <laughs> them out? <laughs> you know, it's always odd because you have the, the few that know how to use like iPhones or iPads, you know, a few know what they're doing. And then you just have others who they can't even look at the screen. And they don't know what it, they don't know what's going on, you know? Yeah. Well, my dad's just turned 80 and he he's always kept up with technology. Um, and Laura's dad's a lot younger than my dad, you know, 10 years. That's your wife. Doesn't, no one knows who Laura is. Oh, Laura, Laura's the wife, yes, of course. Uh, doesn't have a clue, doesn't really care. So I'm quite impressed by these veterans keeping up with the technology. Well, and Michael, explain more. You're interviewing as many veterans as you can for this Do you have a, a, for this book to keep the, like, the history alive, correct? Like what is the inspiration behind this all? So how it started? Yes. So it started by, I was with my mom and I was watching the news and there was a video of two World War II veterans and they hadn't seen each other in 70 years. And they were reuniting, basically having a, a mini reunion. Not all the guys, just those two. So I looked over to my mom and I say, you know, I want to go talk to a World War II veteran. And she's like, okay, my friend's father's living. And he's still living. He's going to be 97 in September. And I, he was my first interview. And uh, ever since then, I, kinda, I wanted to learn more and more because you would hear him talk about other events that impacted him in some way, but he might not have been at, you know, such as Pearl Harbor or what was going on in England before the war. And it kind of, it just spiraled into what it is now. And now here I am three and a half years later, interviewed a hundred World War II veterans, and I'm still finding guys from certain things. So that's what's really enjoyable about it because there's always so much you can learn. And I feel it comes to life talking to someone who is there rather than reading it out of a book, you know, or reading a firsthand account rather than something that's just dates and facts. So 
How, how does the book? This, this is really impressive. It's the book um, for a seventeen-year-old, by the way. Well, <laughs> well, well, he started three and a half years ago. So, what were yeah. you thirteen when you started? Fourteen, or yeah, I had to be fourteen because I'm going to be eighteen in July. So, around fifteen. Yeah. So Friday you. Um, so, is it a collection of their stories? Uh, is that how? How's the? How, what form is the book taking? Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's just their stories. You know, some vets have answered me by questionnaire. Others have mailed me letters or it's been interviews have been done over the phone. So it really just depends on each person, whether or not how much they want to share. So some stories are obviously longer than others. Mm. So, I mean, I know I had the chance to interview Ralph Wilde, the Battle of Britain veteran, and he was 100 yeah. years old. Yeah. And uh, he had a great memory. He was willing to share so much. And that was really enjoyable, you know, because you have a guy, he served in the battle. I think it was 78 years ago at the time mm -hmm. I interviewed him. Now it's going to be 80 this year. So it was enjoyable because you hear that perspective. And he was a great storyteller too. And he was a, he had to be a hundred at the time, I believe. Do you have any favorite stories? I, I mean, you have some great ones. When you went to Massachusetts, that was a for the uh, husband and wife and they had the American flag. Could you elaborate on that, Michael? So I'm so I went to Massachusetts last summer and I met a couple named Christian and Jan DeMarkin and they both grew up in Belgium during the war. They now they were both younger. Uh, Christian DeMarkin, he's still living. He's 92 and his wife passed away this past year and she was 90. And uh, basically, Belgium was occupied by the Germans and Christian DeMarkin was actually an American. His family was born in his father was born in America, but they were of Belgian descent. And before the war, his father had a good position at a factory in Belgium. So the family moved back there. Now, um, the family, being Americans, the Germans, they obviously hated them more than they hated anybody else, you know, in the, in the town that they lived in. So they, the Germans couldn't really touch them at the time because America, you know, it, it, you couldn't do that. You know, they're American citizens, technically. And uh, Christian, the Markin's mother and father were both in the underground resistance during the war. And Christian's mother made an American flag. And it's a really, it's a giant flag, much bigger than I'd say the, the UK flag or the United States of America flag, you know, and uh, the stars on it are actually upside down. And the, she didn't mean to do that. But the, what happened was she would make this flag in the dark each night because it was, you know, it was, I don't want to say illegal, but she wasn't allowed to. Well, when the Americans came to liberate them in 1944, she waved this American flag. They had troops stay with them. They held religious services in their house. So it's interesting because I think, and Richard, you would agree with me on this. You know, World War II touched everybody, you know, regardless of where you're from. Even today, you know, if you're born at the end of the war, somehow your family was affected. In a way, I think that's, what, that's what's interesting about World War II, especially in England, you know, much more than America. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we obviously we were... On the, on the front line in, in the UK and, um, you know, bombed and that kind of thing. And um, and the echoes of, and the ripples from World War II are still, they still um, manifest themselves to this day. We had recently VE Day, Victory in Europe Day. and um, Michael wouldn't know that. <laughs> yes, yes, he would. Did you watch yeah. The Queen or no? Sorry? Did you watch The Queen? Because I know she gave yes, a speech. Yes, yeah, The Queen gave a speech. Um and um, they played um, a recording of um, Winston Churchill's speech at three o'clock, which he did on the, on the at three o'clock on that day. Um, and um, we explained to the boys all about it, our two young boys, and, um, and they were they you know they were interested. It's just you know, and it was a shame because they had such big, huge plans for it, and nothing could happen. So I'm, I'm kind of expecting 
next year we're going to have big celebrations to market. Do you think, Tilly, this might be a good time to go to the news? Yeah. Um, I thought this is this is something interesting. It's not necessarily news news. They're bringing back a lot of challenges online. For example, uh, over here, remember the ALS challenge, the ice bucket challenge? Yeah. So they brought it back, at least in Kendallworth and a couple other towns where they're doing it. And if you don't do the ice bucket challenge, then you have to, you owe someone a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> and your friend Ryan, your, your Irish friend Ryan, and they've started big in Scotland. They're doing a challenge where you have to, have you seen it, Richard? You have to drink an egg yolk. Uh, oh, yes, I did. I saw Ryan doing it. it was our yeah, teaspoon of sugar and then pound whiskey. So I've seen my um, my old boss from Scotland. He did it. And of course, these Scottish people, like, it wasn't even a shot of whiskey. It was like a glass of whiskey. He drinks it and he's like completely fine. He's like, mm, did it. No problem. <laughs> Wait, do you know about the turkey running around Kenilworth or no? <gasps> that, is, that is news. There's a turkey running around our town and people keep taking pictures of this like turkey, but no one's caught the turkey. Is that, have you seen the turkey, Michael? I have not. I know that a policeman was crossing it last week, though. That's what I heard. I want to see it before all this ends. Scientists who have been um, monitoring penguins have said that the penguin poo is becoming a significant greenhouse gas, but also the way the poo is decomposing is it's creating uh, nitrous oxide, which is also known as laughing gas. So, um, so the, as, as a result, the, the scientists are basically getting high on penguin poo. There you go. Well, okay. So, well, be sure to watch that? that. Can you hear that ding-dong noise? Yeah, is that, is that that's, your... That's the, 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 the Laura and the boys have come back from the walk. The door is open, but Harry insists on pressing it constantly. And I'm sure Laura has keys. No, well, I hope she has. Although, go a long wait. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we've got penguin poo. Peng Scientists getting high on penguin poo. Okay, there we go. So, penguin poo, and there is a turkey running around Kenilworth, New Jersey, that no one can seem to catch. So, this <laughs> is... <laughs> Hang, on a Hang on a second. Hang on. So this is it. So they've been posting pictures about this turkey on social media, but Michael hasn't seen it on social media because he does not have any social media account, which is quite interesting, I would say. I don't want it. Listen, it's not like my parents say all the time, you can get it. I just don't want it. You know, I mean, like, I feel like it's going to sound kind of rude, but your friend, if your friend, you know, if you know your true friends, they could pick up the phone and shoot you a text. You don't need to. I mean, yeah, Snapchat, I get it, but you know what I'm trying to say, you know. Your friends can pick up the phone, call you, shoot you a message, hey, how are you doing? There you go, you know. And I feel like a lot of times you're just friends with people that you really don't even talk to. You know, you talk to them maybe once a year, maybe once every five years if you're lucky. You know, that's how it usually goes. Well, it's good to hear because it, it can be uh, quite toxic, can't it? The, oh, well, um, especially for now, this day and age, oh my gosh, with cyberbullying, I mean, you can get, mm -hmm. it can get bad. Well, it's all the misinformation which yeah. which goes round, and then as I, I was going to say, did, would social media not come in handy for the research for your book? And then I suddenly realised that um, all your all, all the people you're interviewing are extremely old and, would, <laughs> and not quite your usual social media 
Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think you have to worry about the a ninety-five-year-old Facebook account. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it works out. I mean, like Selena has posted a few of my articles before, and like I've had people reach out to me because of that. Um, you know, more or less, I go to if there's a nursing home nearby, I'll go visit there. I'll explain what I'm doing, give them my contact info, and uh, this one place it's in Cranford, New Jersey, is called the Atria. I got so many interviews done with so many great residents there. You know, and most of them, I hate to say most of the guys that I knew at a point, they passed on. But there were so many great interviews. There's a German veteran that lives there and an American veteran. Oh, yeah, tell the story. Uh, the German veteran, he was in the regular army and he got drafted when he was, uh, I think, 19 years old. I don't remember off the top of my head. And he was supposed to get sent to the Russian front, but he was uh, he got injured on the train ride there and he got an infection. So he was taken to a hospital. And because of that, when he was reassigned, the war was winding down. So the Germans and all the confusion, they didn't assign him back to his unit. So they transferred him. And, uh, you know, he basically, he didn't see any combat through the war because they assigned him as a tailor. And uh, he was working with two Russian prisoners of war and a fellow German. And so they were making clothes and doing things like that. I'm not sure if it was two blacksmiths working with him. I don't remember the titles off the top of my head. And uh, when the war ended, he immigrated to America. And he actually was a tailor for the rest of his life. However long he worked, he made his career that. So, and uh, I sat down an American who was a private at the Battle of the Bulge, and the two got along very well, and they, they had a discussion about what they did, um, where they served, things like that. And it worked out very well, in my opinion. I thought it was a very unique thing, because how many times, especially now, 75 years later, do you have a German veteran and an American veteran sitting down together? I mean, I know for D-Day, they had the anniversary, and they did that, but it's not common anymore. You know, maybe 20 years ago. Yeah, you could do 20 guys sitting down with another 20 guys. Now, if you have one and one, you're lucky. Even if you have one guy sitting in front of you, you're lucky. So, yeah. Well, it's a generation which it was, was slowly losing, isn't it? So, uh, that's why he's preserving all these stories and wants to write his book, which is amazing. And Richard, do you want to hear another crazy story about this little town in Kenilworth? So, uh, we always call her like one of my godmothers. So her father back in California is a Pearl Harbor survivor. And Michael contacted the Pearl Harbor survivors of San Diego. Anyways, he has, we were talking, uh, one day and he has her, how'd you get the thing? You contact the Pearl Harbor survivor and you got a signatured, uh, picture, right? That's how it happened. Yeah, so that association in San Diego, they were the last chapter of Pearl Harbor survivors in America, actually. And uh, I was introduced to a lady named Kathleen Hansen, and she put me in touch with a few of the survivors there. Well, about 20 years ago, they had a museum. They had not a museum, but they had people's houses that were filled with these things, you know, autographed pictures and things like that. And as time went on, those guys died. Well, Selena's godmother's father was at Pearl Harbor, like she said, and he was a part of that same chapter. Well, Selena, you know, she moved to Kenworth. What, when did you move to Kenworth? A few years ago? Years ago, three years so ago. So she moved here and she says to me, oh, my godmother's father is there. You want to talk to her? I'm like, sure. Even though her, her father isn't living. Well, we were talking and she said that she knew a lot of the guys I knew. So we put two and two together. I looked on the, the wall over there and his photo's right there. Yeah. So I mean, his signature, I mean, not his photo. Signature. She was like, oh my God, what are the chances from, you know, some kid in Kenilworth has her father's signature. I thought it was, like, what are the odds of you moving here? You know, yeah. just, I thought that were, it all worked out good. So, well, thank you very much, Michael. 
Thank you. So this is Talking Transatlantic. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, if you want to get in touch, it's Richard W News on Twitter. And Selena is. Uh, Tales with Selena at Twitter uh, that I'm still I, going to figure out, but <laughs> I'm on uh, Facebook. And the, and the email is talkingtransatlanticoutlook.com. Although everybody <gasps> says, why is it not Gmail? There you go. <laughs> that's that's going to be our catchphrase. Why isn't it Gmail? I like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe Microsoft could take that. <laughs> why is it Gmail? Okay. Thank you, okay. everyone. All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.